Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this week at some point. I don't know when it's going to be. I could probably get on Spotify Greenroom now. I think Bucks fans might blow up the, the forum, the app, if they if they are able to do that now. But I think they're I think they're all like rioting downtown in, in happiness. <laughs> Positive, True. happy, non-destructive writing, um, which maybe isn't writing, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, Kane. I don't know if anybody's. We might be the only two Bucks fans like sitting around at home right now. It, it looks like absolute madness downtown in in the coolest possible way. Well, I actually like it in situations like this. This is a perfect scenario because I know all those Bucks fans that are out right now drinking and carrying on as they damn well should be in Milwaukee. They're going to get home. They're going to listen to this podcast and they're going to wake up in the morning and forget that they even listened to it and they're going to listen to it for a second time. So it's good news all around. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it is a party in Milwaukee and, and they deserve it. They deserve it. The Bucks beat the Suns 120 to 100. It was uh, really a very, very entertaining game if you're a Bucks fan. Um, probably from the midway point of the second quarter when, for the first time this series, Frank, the Bucks really, really took over in stretches. They were able to unlock the offense, unlock the transition game. And we can talk about a bunch of different things. There were so many fascinating lineups that were ran by both teams, some forced, some unforced. But I just can't start this any other way than to talk about Giannis again. We both lamented the fact after game two that we had a podcast where we had to discuss a, a frustrating loss where it felt like the Bucks could win that game and it overshadowed a historic performance from Giannis. And then as predictable as anything, and I don't watch any of these shows, but my goodness, the next two days, anyone on a national TV program wanted to just come up with, oh, look, I know Giannis scored 40 points, but geez, he didn't pass the ball enough, did he? He doesn't really make his team better. Just absolute vomit coming out of some of the the experts that, that talk about the game of basketball and get paid to do so. And so tonight, the legend continues, Frank. I mean, we literally right now, as we're watching through three games, even if you take away the fact that he had the knee injury, we weren't sure if he was going to be here he he is just doing stuff right now. He is unstoppable. The second 40-point game in a row in this series, coming off 20 and 17 in game one. Giannis right now, uh, this is incredible to watch. I, I've actually run out of words. I don't know how to describe it, but we are just witnessing a man that understands that there is no one on the floor that can stop him. And when you talk about whether Giannis has had killer instinct in the past or whether he has the ability to take over a series, he is doing it right now on the biggest stage. Yeah, the the stat that that Giannis had never had back to back forty point games before games two and three of the NBA Finals kind of blew me away because it's just mm. like you know I think we both would consider ourselves um, Giannis statistical historians. Um, and, and when that was quoted, I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I don't yeah. I don't remember him scoring forty points in back to back games. Um, it 
I mean, just what he's doing uh, at the highest possible level on, you know, the biggest possible stage against a team that was a very good defensive team this year that has, uh, you know, a guy in DeAndre Ayton as a primary defensive option who obviously um, physically can at least match up with him and has shown in the past that, you know, he can he can make it at least challenging for Giannis 1v1. And then, you know, as a secondary option, I mean, Jay Crowder was a key part of those Miami teams that that last year, obviously, uh, you know, gave, gave Giannis some problems. But, um, I mean, he's just been absolutely unstoppable. And it was interesting in game two, you know, he had won three, but it was really kind of the full arsenal from Giannis inside the arc. We saw turnarounds. We saw Dirk step backs. Um, you know, he had kind of that mid-range shot going, uh, which, you know, when he has that shot going, it's like, man, he's, he really is impossible to stop. He didn't have that tonight. <laughs> you know, all 14 of his baskets were in the paint. He had a couple that were not, you know, layups or dunks. But for the most part, this was an absolute force of will. I am bigger. I am stronger. I can get to wherever I want, and I will not be denied. That, that's what this game was about. And, to, you know, to, to do that uh, tonight when it was absolutely never more needed, you know, your season is essentially on the line. It's not technically a must-win game in the sense of an elimination game, but no team has ever come back from 3-0. I mean, that you're not coming back from 3-0. You, you absolutely have to win tonight. There is no other option. And, you know, you've, you've obviously always brought it up how the Bucks in this playoffs have responded when, the backs, when their backs have been against the wall. And um, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought they would win tonight. I expected them to play at a high level. I think the concern was always that, you know, could the Suns match that potentially, right? Just given how good the Suns have been in these first two games, you go on the road, um, you know, maybe maybe they can they can continue what they've been doing so well. Uh, and I think you quoted some of the stats, right? Like they've been a great road shooting team from three all year long. And so maybe, the, maybe those role players keep making threes. But overall... Um, you know, Giannis was, was again, obviously the talisman, uh, you know, to a large extent on both ends. Uh, and, and again, he deservedly should be the story tonight and what he's doing in this finals. I mean, again, you just hope that, that he can continue to do it. The, I'm sure the Suns will try to give him different looks, do different things. But, um, you know, I thought the Bucks did a really nice job getting him the ball in different places, using side pick and rolls, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just about Giannis tonight, and that was obviously the important difference between what we saw today and what we saw in Game One and Two. So, just to continue with Giannis here a little bit, because this is interesting, because you did mention there that Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton at times have done a pretty good job on Giannis, and I, and I think that's accurate. I mean, I think there's been stretches in in Phoenix Milwaukee games where you think, okay, yeah, they're doing some alright stuff, but it just hasn't really seemed to matter because if we really open this up across the course of the whole season now, they've played five games and Giannis has scored 40 plus in three of them. And then in the other games, you know, I mean, game one, you know, he was clearly hobbled, just coming back, feeling his way into the series. So this is an extended sample size of Phoenix having absolutely no answer for this man. Yeah. And I, I do he's, think he's over 30, he's over 36 points per game in five games so far this season. Right. And the only, yeah. the only one, the only, he averaged 40 in two regular season games. And then he's put 40 on them in back-to-back games. So the, literally the only game where he has not been just, just crushing them was game one when he was coming back from literally his knee bending backwards the wrong, <laughs> wrong way. 
And, and, I, and I, but I think the point you made where it, it wasn't, he's done it in different ways, even if you just look at, at game two to, to game three here. And I thought actually early in this game, he was facilitating a little bit. I think he had four or five assists in the first quarter. And, and I do think that he also understands, he's seen the court really well. We saw him get to that point where just sort of above the restricted area, sort of, sort of in between the restricted area and the free throw line a couple of times, and then be able to find a guy under the basket. He's, he's become pretty adept at, uh, at making that play. But also, I think we did see him settle for a couple of those turnarounds. And he's like, okay, this isn't really working for me. How can I get early buckets? And I thought Milwaukee did a really good job, particularly when Chris Middleton was the ball handler. You mentioned a couple of the pick and roll plays they had where it just opened him up and he was able to score in different ways. And then in the third quarter, and the DeAndre Ayton foul trouble, we can certainly talk about this. It was a big factor. He picked up his fourth foul with 10 minutes and 30 seconds to go in the third quarter. And to that point, I think that Giannis had been looking really, really dangerous in transition plays, no doubt about that. Again, off ball. But then once they went small, I thought it took Milwaukee a few minutes to figure it out. Phoenix went with Cam Johnson because they realized the Frank Kaminsky experiment was not working. I already discussed this the other day, Frank, but Bucks fans, maybe some Wisconsin Badgers fans were cheering Frank Kaminsky when he came on the floor in game one. But again, I think the majority of Bucks fans were just cheering because they want to see as much Frank Kaminsky as possible on the floor because it was disastrous when he was on there. So they went, Monty Williams went with Cam Johnson, who had a monster third quarter himself, just a, a super impressive player, ridiculous dunk. We can talk about that. But I thought early on, the Bucks passed the ball around, figured, okay, we're going to have to hit some shots. That's where Drew Holiday came into the game. He hit four threes in the third quarter and finally saw a couple of shots go down. But later on in the third quarter, I think that was when Giannis said, all right, I, I know you're, you're feeling hot, Drew. I know you're hitting some of those threes. We're, we're keeping Phoenix at bay here. But I'm the biggest man on the floor, and it's not close. Give me the damn ball. And then a change from Giannis scoring as a cutter or as a roll man or on broken play, second chance opportunities to him just literally saying, I'm too big. Give me the ball. They can't stop me. They're, they're going to have to foul me or I'm going to dunk all over. Frank, there's nothing better than a victory built bar. Delicious, good for you, it's healthy, everything you really need from a snack. And that's what we're going to discuss right now. Hopefully, you guys got to try out the Built Grasshopper Cookie special flavor that was available last week. And uh, look, I always tell you guys, if you keep looking on BuiltBar.com, you'll be able to catch up with all the limited time flavors that they roll through from time to time. They do have nine original flavors that are on the website right now. You can check them out from mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, just to name a few there. There's 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calories ranging from 130 to 180, depending on the flavor, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs as well. They're amazing flavors. They're all tasty and they are all healthy. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. You know, even when, again, the first shot wasn't there, um, he, he would just, you know, the, 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 the plays that, you know, stick out in some ways for the Suns, especially from a Bucks perspective in the first two games, like those opportunities the Suns had where they just created second opportunities. You know, the Bucks work their asses off, get a stop, and and then the Suns get an offensive rebound, eventually get it, you know, get it back. 
I thought tonight some of those plays, you know, kind of were going the other way for the Bucks. And some, in some cases, just Giannis by himself, just you know, maybe Giannis misses, he gets the ball back, puts it back up, and and, and in he got you know a couple and ones I think that way. Um, four offensive rebounds for Giannis uh, overall. The Bucks, thirty uh, percent offensive rebound rate versus fifteen percent for Phoenix. Certainly. Aiton being out and only playing 24 minutes is obviously a big part probably of that story. Um, Aiton, two offensive rebounds. And so again, just the the second chance points. I think at one point, I don't know where it ended. I don't know if you've got in front of you, Kane, but I think at one point it was like 20 to nothing or something like that on second chance points. I think I thought I heard that stat, which just feels kind of accurate. And, you know, when, when you can't keep Giannis off the offensive glass, whether it's his own miss or others misses, I mean, he got an early bucket uh, and one where he just literally just reached right over Devin Booker. It wasn't a foul. It was just, I'm, you know, five or six inches taller than Devin Booker and I'm just going to take the ball and get an in one. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, he, he just, again, just inflicted his will on, on this game. And um, it didn't really matter that he didn't have his best stuff necessarily from a, you know, a jump shooting perspective. Um, and I think the other, you know, the other point, um, you know, you, you mentioned it, First quarter, I think he started two out of six from the field. And let's also let's also mention. I don't know. I don't. I assume we haven't really heard any any explanation in the post game. I haven't been listening, and we're obviously recording this right after. Um, Giannis, after that and one, asked out of the basketball game with eight and a half minutes left in the first quarter. He came out relatively, or I think, with a little over six minutes remaining in the last game. He asked out of this game. He took a long walk down the tunnel actually, and then came back. Didn't seem to get any treatment wasn't really clear what was going on if it was just wind or you know just feeling too hyped up and wanting to just sort of calm himself down but you know again it was like I think as a Bucks fan you kind of had that moment of anxiety seeing Giannis lead the game and wondering what's going on after he gets the N1 and you know he really didn't have his A game going in that first quarter but he had two assists on dump offs for layups you know and we've seen that so often Pat got one of them, I think, and, and Bobby got the other for a dunk streaking in from the right side. And, uh, you know, it, I was just, I'm actually, I have the game on here while, while we're recording, I'm just rewatching it. And, you know, that Bobby cut, he wasn't in the dunker spot. He was actually spaced out to the three point line, but you know, the Suns, I mean, like, like most teams, you get caught just sort of ball watching when Giannis is attacking and you just kind of want to figure out like, okay, like how do we build our wall? How do we show help? And it's like, well, you know, Giannis, he's shown all year that if you bring that late help, um, you know, if you bring help when he's 20 feet from the basket, you, you force him to give it up. But if you give him help when he's, you know, eight to 10 feet from the basket, he's just going to jump up and throw a pass and get somebody else a layup or kick it out for an open three. He's, you know, I, I just think that's too late to try to build a wall. I think you have to, you have to do it higher on the floor to be effective. And certainly that will be something that, you know, we'll have to watch what the Suns do the rest of the series. Cause it just doesn't seem like they really have an appetite to try to just out and out double him when as soon as he touches the ball or, you know, to, to kind of try to get him that way. And um, obviously the more you can work him into pick and rolls, the more you can, you know, have him taking advantage of the sun's lack of size on the boards. Obviously it makes it harder to, to stop him. Right. Because, you know, like if he's just too big and strong on the glass and you're going to pick and rolls there, there's just less you can do, right. You can't just double team him in those scenarios. So certainly I, you know, Suns have two days to think about it and try to figure out what they what they can do with him. Um, but uh, you know, again, being able to do this two day two games in a row, and again, really 
five games in a row when you think about the totality of the season. Uh, obviously, it, it bodes very well for you know the fact that the Bucks probably are going to need him to be historically great to win this series. And um, certainly the free throw shooting tonight was also an encouraging sort of continuation shooting better towards the end of uh, towards the end of uh, game two. And tonight he, it looks like he's settled on basically a no deep breath, but now he, he was taking seven dribbles. So as I put on my uh, professor of Giannis free throw shooting um, role, uh, <laughs> Giannis, um, has changed his routine again. It's a little bit quicker. It certainly seemed quicker in game two and on the road. Uh, I didn't have my stopwatch out tonight, but, um, but obviously great to see him connecting on free throws, which, you know, I feel like we should remind people, um, you know, last full season we had with fans um, before the, the, the bubble, he was actually notably better on the road than he was at home shooting free throws. So it wasn't, and granted they weren't counting and doing some of the stuff that they've been doing in the playoffs, but it's not like he's historically always made free throws at home where the fans know to be quiet and he's been bad on the road where there's a lot of crowd noise. He was bad in the bubble where there were literally no fans and he was bad on the road or sorry, bad at home. uh, The last time there was a full season with fans as well. So I, again, I don't know that I'm sure you know, the Phoenix crowd had, had some effect on him, especially when he first started, you know, having to get used to and in, in probably like in game one. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond, you know, thinking that Giannis is like suddenly turned a corner from a, from a free throw perspective. But, um, you know, let's, let's hope that there's at least some positive momentum and some positive feelings of, uh, uh, for, for him here for, as a free throw shooter. Cause you know, if he's making 75% like he is tonight, it obviously is a, is a big boost relative to shooting 50% or 40% like he's had in, in some games or in these playoffs. So didn't, didn't necessarily need all that tonight, but at some point, you know, if this season series goes long enough, there's going to be a close game and it may very, may very well be the next game. And the more Giannis can give you, you know, again, just those points on the margins from the free throw line, it's, it's obviously crucial, especially because, when the Suns are frequently going small now, I mean, they're just fouling. You know, we saw it last game too. Like, they're just resigned to, hey, we're just going to foul. And um, if, if you, you know, if you're going to just miss two in a row half the time, then, then obviously they're going to reward them for that. And tonight, obviously, just making them pay with the fact that they couldn't keep them off the foul line. So what did you, uh, I think the interesting thing here or one of the interesting notes of this game was the lineups. And we already referenced the fact that Phoenix obviously had to go small. And I think a big part of that came from DeAndre Ayton, naturally. I mean, as I said, he was in foul trouble, which has been a rare situation for him. But I was certainly a little bit curious with the way Bud went small in the first quarter. Now, Giannis came back on, so he went off at the 8.30 mark. I think he was back on around the six-minute mark was was right. And I, I do agree. The fact that he got no treatment, maybe he got that and one, he, and he was just sprinting up and down the floor and just needed to settle himself down, which, of course, I mean, you would prefer Giannis not to go off the court in the first three minutes of an NBA Finals game. But, you know, if he recognizes he needs to just chill out a little bit, catch his breath, maybe that's pretty smart play by him. He, he ultimately ended up playing 37, sat out the, the final few minutes there, so he would have topped 40 minutes again in this one. But the Bucks went small in the first quarter. I wouldn't say it necessarily worked all that well. DeAndre Ayton was causing... Major problems. I mean, he started this game really hot. Six for seven, 12 points in the first quarter. Portis was on the floor for a big part of that. And then we did see the Bucks. and I think defensively, we, we always talk about Brook, but I think everyone naturally thinks, well, 
the Bucks have had success at stages with Giannis at the five. That's their optimum lineup. But we've discussed it a lot, Frank. I, I think what we saw in game two was generally a pretty good defensive performance from the Bucks. Certainly, I thought Brooke Lopez was impactful. So I, I was shocked that they went to that small lineup. And then with Brooke on the floor early in the second quarter and through that second quarter, I thought that they really got back on track defensively, were able to get running, and then Portis came back into the game and was able to, to get the crowd going, which you know he does. But what, what did you think about the way Bud went small early in this game? Naturally, later in the game, it made some sense when, when, this, when the Suns were super small that Portis was out there. He hit a big three. He had a really nice game off the bench. But I don't think that this is a series that we've seen so far that Brook Lopez should be played off the floor. I thought Bud went to it a little bit early. The Bucks were down after one quarter, so it didn't necessarily work. It wasn't a, it wasn't a fatal decision. I just thought it was really curious. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I didn't like how small they went um, yeah. early, especially going. It, it makes me nervous to be playing minutes without both Brooke and Giannis. Yeah. Um, I think those guys are just too important um, on both ends because I think Brooke can do things offensively, especially when Giannis is not on the game and Brooke can sort of occupy those rim running lanes um, that you, you want to try to take advantage of that. So, that's one of the weird parts about this game is that the eight and foul trouble in the second half, um, the the lineup that, that they went, you know, Giannis going out and then going small early. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of like the story of this game is really like something that we're necessarily going to see um, in, in the remaining games. Um, I, you know, again, like it's such a long series, like every game is sort of its own story and, and I, I, especially against Chris Paul, like I'm never going to say like, "Oh, okay, figured it out," because <laughs> you know, like, um, Chris Paul tonight. I mean, 19 points on 14 shots. I think part of the story early in this game, Phoenix goes out to a 36-30 lead, and to me, the the story of that was Chris Paul punishing the Bucks yet again, even when they played pretty good defense, contested mid-range jumpers. He just hits them right. He just he kept doing that, and. I think the, the the problem was not only was was he hitting those, but Aiton was getting um, was getting loose inside as well. And if you're gonna you know if, if you're gonna play, obviously the stuff's gonna happen over the course of a game. There's gonna be you know runs where where those guys maybe get a, a couple buckets, and you know you just have to make sure it doesn't turn into that big you know 15 to two run or something like that. But um, but I just I, I just think you know you have to be really careful when those two guys are in the flo- on the floor that um that you know you're not giving up those easy rim runs to Aiton because i mean you look at his numbers only 24 minutes he was 8 out of 11 and all those buckets i think he had like maybe one mid-range jumper but he hurt the bucks a lot on switches in the first quarter he you know got switched on to guards and just was able to turn around and and punish those guys to shooting little hook shots a couple times and then you know basically gashing the bucks down the lane on uh, on passes, and I didn't think the Bucks were always, especially when they were small, were always communicating particularly well doing that. So, yeah, I think Brook is. Um, I, I would be I would be very surprised if Brook plays only 21 minutes next game as he did tonight, um, because I I still feel like this is a series that you're going to have to be able to play effectively when you're big. And I think a lot of the what we saw tonight also is just the fact that that Aiden, you know, in the second half doesn't. Um, you know, gets in that early foul trouble, so the Bucks went small as well, and obviously, um, they ended up going on a big run to close out the, the fourth quarter, and in part, you know, due to uh, being able to play small. But uh, 
you know, I don't think going small is is just some magical thing, right? Which we saw tonight. I think the Suns can can counter that and beat beat the Bucks when they're small, whether Aiden is out there or not. Um, and just a lot of it just comes down to you know, like our guys making shots, right? And we've seen Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker have been the guys that have at the end of the day made shots, and Giannis has done it for the Bucks. But you know, the Suns have had two guys making shots tonight. Chris Paul was really the only guy that kind of felt like he was making those, those really difficult shots. Aiton was making the easy shots, but then he gets a foul trouble and Devin Booker, you know, just never really got on track and three out of 14 tonight, one out of seven, three for five from the line, just 10 points in 29 minutes. He sat out seemingly, you know, all the fourth quarter and much of the, the third quarter it felt like as well. Um, I, I do not expect that, you know, the Bucks have solved Devin Booker by any stretch. Um, I think part of this is probably Monty letting Devin Booker watch and kind of stew and maybe get a little motivated for, for game four. Cause um, I'm expecting a big bounce back from, from Devin Booker, but, but yeah, I think long story short, I think the Bucks are gonna have to lean back into broke Lopez. And part of that's going to be just cause Aiton's you assume he won't be in foul trouble necessarily next game. But again, that's the beauty of Giannis and the fact that, you know, if Aiton's really the only guy that can guard him and Giannis is, <laughs> They can't keep him off the line. He's a foul-drawing machine. That's obviously something the Suns have to be very cognizant of because they don't want DeAndre Ayton to be racking up fouls trying to guard Giannis. It's betonline.ag time. Frank, we know. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports. Action. Baseball season is really rolling along at the moment, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. But there's also NBA, obviously, as we know. NHL has just wrapped up, but you can get futures for the NFL and also UFC MMA action as well. So before the next pitch, shot, hit, whatever it is, head to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses and contest information. Uh, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you sign up today, just use the promo code locked on. That's bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I think that's why I wouldn't necessarily look to too much lineup stuff from the second half because, as you pointed to, with with Aiton off, it's it, it was kind of it felt like it was it was forced that the Bucks went smaller and, and went away from Brook Lopez, and it did make some sense. But the first quarter stuff was definitely curious to me. Uh, as far as the Bucks go, I think we do have to give continued credit to Pat Connaughton, man. I mean, you know, he, again, he hit shots, a, a big sh- three in the third quarter that they really needed from the corner right in front of the Bucks bench. But overall, just a nice line. I mean, he, this is the guy that's playing the consistent minutes off the bench, really the sixth man here. 30 minutes, eight points, three rebounds, four assists, two or four from three. And I actually thought there was a number of times, I mean, you mentioned it, where if you're defending Chris Paul, Sometimes it just doesn't really matter what you do. I mean, we saw Chris Paul hit a fadeaway uh, baseline mid-range jump shot with Giannis right there, and I thought Giannis did a pretty good job. He's just got that high arc, and he knocked it down. I thought he hit a couple on Pat Connaughton tonight where I thought Pat did a pretty good job of staying in front of him, slowing down the, the first attempt at Chris Paul trying to get to his spot, made him try a second time. So, look, I think Pat Connaughton deserves some credit. As far as the other guys, um, Portis, it, it was obviously big, 11.8 rebounds. But Jeff Teague, I mean, he's going to continue to be a talking point. 13 minutes on this night. And I've said it before, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Teague. But it, listen, you, you can be out there. You can shoot your open catch and shoot threes. I'm fine with that. That's a pretty good shot. You've been knocking them down. But when you're out there and you have Drew Holiday on the floor and you have Giannis destroying every single human on the court, 
do not take it upon yourself to say that you're going to take 10 seconds here to post up Bobby Portis at the three-point line, okay? We, we, we just don't need to be doing that. You also don't need to be dribbling into traffic and flipping up a floater there that you think is a good shot. So, you know, Teague, uh, I've been a little bit uh, understanding of the fact that the Bucks need to get a few minutes to some of these other guys. But Teague, if you're going to be out on the floor, just do the job. Just just stand at the three-point line. Knock down a three here or there. Don't take it upon yourself to run the offense. It's just unnecessary. So, Teague, look, tonight I thought the criticism well-deserved. But I wanted to talk about Booker a little bit. I thought it was interesting that he was on the bench, obviously, as, as you mentioned, for uh, long stretches here. And there was actually a play in the first quarter where he, there was a turnover or I think there was a steal or a foul or something happened. And the Bucks bench were talking to him really, really early in this game. And Devin Booker looked at the bench and he was like, oh yeah, he's like, all right, here we go. And I was, I was kind of actually in my head thinking, I don't know if you want to piss this man off. He just went seven for 12 in game two, but he was never able to figure it out in this one and, and finish tonight just three for 14. But I do just want to read some of the shooting numbers for Booker since game two of the Western Conference Finals, because this is something that I always talk about, and it always is a little bit fascinating to me to hear how different players have different narratives. And we talk about Chris Middleton a lot on this show, Frank. Tonight, uh, he was eight for 14, a pretty good night, even though he didn't take over and didn't dominate. It didn't feel like that type of night where he needed to. But Devin Booker, since game two of the Western Conference Finals, in game two, he was five for 16, then he was five for 21, then he was eight for 22, then nine for 22, 10 for 26, in game six that they clinched, and then uh, eight for 21 to start this series tonight, three for 14. Obviously, he had the big night in game two. This guy's been in an extended shooting slump, and it was at least a little bit fascinating to me where he got hot in game two, and most of the narrative was like, see, that's the difference between Booker and Middleton. That's the difference between these two guys. Booker, you can trust. Booker, he's going to hit those shots. He's going to get the job done. He's a reliable superstar. It's just fascinating how some players have this narrative when if you really have been watching Devin Booker for an extended period here, he's really, really been struggling. I think the Bucs deserve credit. I think they're forcing him into taking tough shots, which he can make. But he's been in, in a real struggle here for, for quite a while. Yeah, and I think the you know, I think Booker deserves a lot of credit because um, you know, he it's interesting because you watch the way Chris and Drew played in the two games in against Atlanta without Giannis and I mean, that might be, that's more analogous to what Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker have to be for the Suns. It's Every not to night. say that, yeah. that yeah. you know, that like, oh, that they're equivalent in terms of talent. Um, but, you know, they, they, those guys know that the offense is going to have to run through them. And, you know, Aiden's the third banana, but he really, every everything he does is really based off of, you know, those guys creating shots for him and him crashing the glass and being opportunistic, right? It's not about building the offense to get DeAndre in the ball. And so, it, yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting kind of thing to compare. And, um, you know, if, if you look at the way Booker has shot the ball, what was he, one for eight from three in game one um, of, of this series? I think he was, yeah, he was one out of eight from three in game one. He's one out of seven tonight, and he was seven out of 12 in game two. So it's just like, you know, the peak of, of you know, uh, hot and cold and, um, you know, he was one out of seven in uh, in the game six win, actually, uh, over the Clippers as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at his last five games. His three-point percentage is 14%, 58%, 13%, 14%, 67%. So he's literally never been between 15% and 58%. He's always been either above that or below that. 
um, which is kind of remarkable. And, you know, again, this is just why you, you know, um, I, I think it, I think it's fair to kind of say like, well, I mean, is, is the narrative always fair to, to, to guys like Chris in particular? I think Drew, obviously his numbers have been, you know, he's struggled enough from three, um, throughout the playoffs that I think it's, it's more fair to say, well, Drew, you got to be better. You got to be more efficient. Right. But Chris, you know, I think came into this series shooting like 30, a little over 33% and guess what Devin Booker was shooting? 34%. <laughs> it's pretty much the exact same. Like neither guy has really been particularly hot shooting the ball from three. The only difference is Chris was actually a great three point shooter during the regular season and Booker was, was not. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, you, it, it's so hard to predict game to game, especially these perimeter players, you know, are they going to be hot? Are they going to be cold? Um, you just don't know. And I thought tonight down 36, 30, uh, I, I thought, you know, the, the, the story of this game to me, I mean, I think the second and third quarters, obviously, right. Because the first quarter, the, the Suns actually um, withstand any kind of first quarter energy and, and jitters pretty well. They're leading going into the second quarter and kind of, they're hitting, you know, Chris Paul's hitting mid-range jumpers. Aiton's getting to the rim. It looks like Aiton's, you know, getting ready for a big night. And I think the good news was that Drew Holiday hits a three for the first basket of the game. So I was like, okay, hopefully that's a good sign for Drew, although he really didn't do much the rest of the first quarter. And then Chris um, has a quick five-point spurt, including a three in the middle of that first quarter as well. So you at least felt like, okay, those guys, you know, speaking of those guys, like it, it doesn't look like they're – it looks like there's some positive signs there, right? Even if Giannis isn't having like the monster scoring night quite, quite yet. Um, but then that second quarter, you know, Phoenix gets out, it's 36, 30. You're kind of wondering, man, just feels like the bucks are a step behind, step behind, step behind. Right. And they come out of, I think it was out of a timeout. They run an action, ends up with drew attacking and getting a dump off for a Brook dunk. And then there's another play not long after that, which was to me kind of just like one of those plays, which again, it felt like in games one and two, it, this was the kind of play that Phoenix made, which is, um, Brooke Lopez shoots an air ball. PJ Tucker, because he knows that he's not doing a whole lot else, is under there being a dog, getting the offensive rebound, almost goes out of bounds. Giannis cutting down the middle of the, the lane is the bailout option, gets a huge dunk. And I think that was when the Bucks took the lead back. Maybe that might have been, to be honest, I don't know, that might have been the last time the Bucks trailed even in the game. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> don't quote me on that. But, um, but again, I mean, just so much of this, of this series and when you're talking about two teams that obviously are both more than capable, again, go on these extended runs where you really, uh, especially when you're home, let that energy kind of drive you and, and maybe you get some turnovers. Maybe the other team misses some shots that, that they otherwise make. Um, you know, that second quarter, Cam Johnson missed two open threes and it felt like no way he was ever going <laughs> to like in my head, you know, I see him open. I'm like, done. He's making that right. And he, he did, you know, he had a great third quarter, so he didn't he didn't keep missing for long. But you just sometimes just need those stretches. And I thought, you know, just the, the Bucks flipped the script in that second quarter and the third quarter. They're the ones that were making those runs. And you know, you go to the third quarter, and it's it's Giannis is obviously kind of the big story again. What did he have? Sixteen points in the third quarter after the twenty point third quarter in game two. But for me, I just keep thinking back to those Drew Holiday threes and. Drew did not have a good first half in aggregate. And you're, you're thinking again, all right, it's another Drew Holiday game where he's just not offensively feeling it. And instead, 
I, I can't. I, I thought I, someone. I said he hit three. I thought he might have hit four three pointers in that third quarter. Um, I think and so, it just yeah. felt like five titles, just, four just, and a third. Yeah, yeah, it just felt like all of them were just huge. All of them came right when Phoenix was. You know, they got it into into single digits. They got it down to seventy four seventy at one point. I think that was um, on on one of the, the Cam Johnson threes. And it just felt like, man, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. But now, you know, kind of the reverse of, of game, game one and two, where it felt like no matter how hard the Bucks were trying to really make a run, Phoenix could always answer. You know, Phoenix always had a tough shot that they would make. And tonight, it was obviously Giannis doing Giannis things. But then it was also Drew Holiday saying, you know what? I'm, I'm op- sometimes, I'm, sometimes he was open and sometimes he was just like, I'm just going for this. I'm in rhythm. I'm feeling good. And I'm just going to take a little step back here and I'm going to just bury a three. And, you know, if, if those are not going down, we're having a very different conversation and who knows kind of what direction this game goes. But both teams were small at that point and it was just, you know, a huge moment for, for Drew, uh, you know, a huge quarter for Drew to step up. And, I mean, arguably, again, maybe the most important quarter of basketball that we've seen from Drew Holiday, which again, I mean, feels probably kind of strange to say because, you know, at the end of the day, this is a blowout win, but you know, we know how these games go. I mean, it's NBA basketball. Like these teams are great. Like none of these teams just like lay down and, and quit, right? Like little things here and there, sustained stretches here and there. And the result can sometimes be different. So um, just, you just love to see that from Drew, obviously just being able to, to get going and, and not just to hit some shots when, you know, you're up big and and you're not feeling pressure. I mean, those were, those are pressure shots and, and he had big, made big plays, made big shots. And, you know, his playmaking tonight was, was really good. He's again, is he the purest point guard? No, I think that's all the more obvious when you're, when he's going up against Chris Paul, who's, you know, literally like the, the, the smartest, you know, most cerebral point guard that you can probably think of that we'll probably see in our lifetimes. Um, But, uh, obviously from drew for him to come out and, and pile up the big assist numbers, make other guys better play his great, you know, defense, make life hard on the Suns, and, and also then make some big buckets, which obviously has been something that we haven't seen enough that that was obviously really fun. And again, I, you know, is drew holiday now just going to like make threes the rest of the series? Like I'm, I'm sure that's, it's not that easy. <laughs> He's going to be up and down because it's just the way this stuff tends to go. But, they absolutely needed tonight and, and he delivered big time in many ways it felt like the full drew holiday experience when it came to scoring tonight because i don't know about you frank but i never actually think when he's shooting the ball it's going in which feels a little bit disrespectful because he's been a pretty consistent shooter all season long but it's a super flat shot isn't it, it, it and you sort of look at the flight path and you're like i don't know if that can possibly go in the basket and sometimes it does and it's actually the same from the free throw line where he's struggled as well. But it's interesting you bring up the playmaking or the the point guard play, how we typically view a textbook point guard. But if you look across his playoff performances, his facilitating has been at a really, really high level, even on nights where his shot hasn't been going or he hasn't been able to score. Tonight he had the nine assists. So that makes it 13 out of 20 playoff games he's had at least eight assists, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, he, he's been really finding guys... As I said, even on nights where he hasn't shot the ball. And I thought tonight he finishes three for four from two, which is kind of deceiving. I mean, 10 of his attempts 
10 of his 14 attempts were from three. And that is kind of deceiving. And I think it is because the one miss from two, I remember very vividly. It was under the basket, a wide open layup. And then Giannis ended up cleaning it up anyway. But I remember when he missed that shot, I was like, what is going on with this guy? He just cannot finish these easy baskets. It turned out all right for the Bucks tonight. But just to come back full circle to the point, on Devin Booker, and if there's any Suns fans listening, is look, I'm not trying to say Middleton's a better player than Booker or end up being a better player than Booker. Who knows how that's going to pan out? But I think what you do understand is when you look at Chris Paul and Devin Booker, two superstar players, and this is why the Bucks felt that if they get Drew Holiday in, it can be a difference-making proposition in a playoff series because tonight when you have Milton playing pretty well, Holiday hitting those shots, Giannis in complete domination mode, all of a sudden it tilts. It does tilt and you think, okay, now the Bucks have a little bit of an advantage here with three guys up against two, which is why DeAndre Ayton's been such a big factor so far as well. Although you think in the half-court setting, if Drew Holiday can knock down these shots and Middleton can be a factor, the Bucs are going to be right in this. And they needed it tonight. As great as Giannis was, the biggest difference ultimately was the fact that Holiday hit some shots. The Bucs in general up at 38% from three, which as we keep discussing, just feels like an absolute avalanche with the way that they've shot the ball so far in the postseason. But more than anything, as we wrap this up, Frank, I am just, we, we already discussed Milwaukee right now, but I was so thrilled for Milwaukee to have this moment tonight because after waiting so long to get to the NBA Finals, you get this game and you're down 2-0. And it's kind of anxiety-inducing because if you lose this game, all of a sudden, the Finals party feels like it's, it's really been dampened. You're down 3-0. We know historic, history tells us there's no coming back from that. So now I just feel like the next few days is going to ramp up and ramp up. And I don't know what's going to happen in Game 4, but uh, it's going to be a wild experience for those in Milwaukee. So I'm happy for the fans. They were going off tonight. Uh, they were having a lot of fun, and I'm sure they still are as we're recording this. Absolutely. I mean, I think we've, you know, one thing we've tried to kind of hit as a steady drumbeat is as fans, you you can't treat it as championship or bust, right? Remember, remember, remember the beginning of the season when, you know, there were some complaints that Bud kind of rejected the notion, and you know, pre I think it was a preseason press conference, right, that he didn't view the season as championship or bust, and I. I totally agree with kind of that. I mean, I just don't think that's like a, I mean, everybody knows that's the goal. Right. And I think just having that mentality of like, we're failures if, if we don't win a championship. Um, I just don't know that that's, that's like the, the right way to kind of like bring people to work every day. As fans, look, we know that the season, if it doesn't end in a championship, it's going to be a disappointment. Right. We know that it's, we're, that that's you're so close right that's you, you absolutely want it you have to have it you know this is such a great opportunity for the bucks to do that enjoy i mean if if you're a fan and you can't enjoy you know the next two days after you just won a playoff game a finals game that's a combo and the city showing out and everything happening the way it is then what's the point <laughs> you know and so i agree i'm just you know yeah, who knows what happens in game four? The Suns are absolutely capable of taking, but, um, you know, you just have to, I think as a fan, like enjoy the moments you got tonight. Enjoy the fact that we're witnessing historic stuff from Giannis and enjoy what it means to be a fan and what it means to be a fan in the city. If you're lucky enough to be in Milwaukee. So shout out to everybody coming out, going to the games, going to the deer district. And, you know, I'm as someone who's, who can't be there right now, I'm, I'm really proud, you know. I'm 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 kind of proud <laughs> that uh, the rest of 
the basketball world is getting to see what what Milwaukee is all about and how they can support this team and and obviously you know more than anything just the team itself and how it responded tonight starting with Giannis obviously how they responded is a perfect way to finish this off Frank because I think the one thing we've learned about this team across the postseason is that they're tough this is a really really tough team and and you don't want to think about the end result and as you said obviously it would be disappointing if they can't pull this out but geez they've given it a crack they have given it a crack to this point down 2-0 against Brooklyn then down 3-2, winning game seven on the road. Down, uh, Sorry, the series tied 2-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals and Giannis out for the rest of the series. They pull that out. This game, trailing 2-0, down 36-30 in the second quarter and they find a way to pull it out. There's one thing you can't knock about this team. They haven't panicked. They haven't given up. They haven't thrown in the towel and they just keep on fighting, which is uh, incredibly impressive to this point. And we hope um, there's still quite a few games of this to go here. Uh, starting July 19th, though, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. And wow, this has really capped off a massive weekend of sports, Frank. The Bucks beat the Suns in Game 3. Everyone was fired up for that. Jordan War, shout out to Jordan War and the Nigerian basketball team. They took down Team USA. So I wonder if there's been any trash talking in the locker room between Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, and Jordan War. But shout out to those guys. And of course, more important than any of it, the Boomers, Patty Mills, Future Milwaukee Buck, Patty Mills with the game winner against Argentina. Everyone was pumped up about that. Australia are on their way to a gold medal. So everyone's fired up, Frank. I, well, I have to say, while we're talking about, you know, random stuff that has nothing to do with the Milwaukee Bucks game, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess the boomers, you know, there, there, there's enough combinations. Uh, we're gonna Argentina- have a Dante, let me tell you this. We're going to have a Dante Exum conversation at some point, but continue. <laughs> well... Very good for day for, for Dante DiVincenzo seeing Italy beat uh, England yeah. in the European uh, European Championship final. Um, I have to say, so I, I obviously we don't have much reason to talk about it on this podcast. I, uh, I've been a Leo Messi fan for pretty much the last 17 years. I, I saw him play in the 2006 World Cup. Um, I'm a Barcelona fan, which again, isn't that hard of a life to live, but I have lived and died with Messi as a uh, as an international player as well and he won his first Copa America on Saturday night and I was so thrilled to for him to kind of get off the schneid he's you know many consider him to be the best player of all time but he had not won a major international trophy at the senior level he wins the South American championships I was feeling so good last night uh after Giannis he's probably my favorite athlete so to see Messi get his championship uh to see Giannis now back-to-back monster games in the finals and the Bucks finally get off the, the schneid here. I, I'm pretty thrilled with this Wisconsin, with this sports weekend. Maybe not a perfect Wisconsin sports weekend because the Brewers uh, had their struggles getting into the All-Star break. But um, I'm, I, yes, you, you, had, you had your reasons to have a, a very happy end to this, to this sports weekend. I had my reasons for having a very happy end to this sports weekend. Um, but yeah, good thing we saved this for the end uh, because uh, I think everybody listening to this podcast uh, – <laughs> With the exception of maybe some Suns fans who just want a different perspective, we appreciate you listening as well. You guys are going to be fine. Um, and uh, and uh, again, I'm 
I'm, I'm expecting the Suns to bounce back in game four, but, but certainly uh, this made for a, a very nice cap to, uh, to, to the weekend in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and wherever uh, you live as a Bucks fan. Well, our friend uh, that uh, many people know on, on Twitter, Riley uh, tweeted the other day, Frank, uh, that everyone should go back and listen to the podcast from when Giannis went down with, with the knee injury and we were probably pretty flat. I would say it was probably the flattest podcast we've had to do maybe during the Miami series last year. Flat, I think flat we seems flat. generous for, yeah. flat seems generous for the way I was. Uh, I mean, I was literally like, you know, like on my deathbed as a fan. So, um, so yeah, that, <laughs> uh, with, with knowing now what, what, what has happened since, yes, it probably is a pretty, pretty, uh, I don't know if funny is the right word, but probably a pretty interesting listen. It just makes me wonder. I mean, we do these podcasts every day, Frank. So, I mean, we've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, but the roller coaster emotion of a sports fan in general is just a just an absolutely wild thing. But for tonight, as we always say, me and you are pretty good at this. We say, listen, when 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 things are bad, we'll discuss things being bad. But when they're good, we're going to enjoy it. And tonight, um, hopefully, this is a podcast everyone has a lot of fun listening to. As you said, we, we, we thank all you guys for jumping on board. It's been incredible, the support we've had certainly through this postseason run. Hopefully, still got a way to go here. Game four in a couple of days, yes. A bit of rest for Giannis. He'll need it. He'll use it and hopefully freshen up for game four and we'll see if the Bucks can continue to tie this up. We're going to keep rolling with the podcast over the next couple of days. So don't forget to check out your podcast feed and subscribe and share and all those Um, great things that we really appreciate but for tonight stay safe out there enjoy the celebrations enjoy the celebrations for the next few days okay that would be my recommendation and for frank and myself we'll catch you guys next time